Welcome back. Six pack Lapidate. Paul Marin's in. My friend had asked you what you did on the weekend, but I already know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Whew. For those who don't know, I never knew what Robbie Burns Day was until I started dating Kathleen. And her and her family are like mad scotch. Did you know yep. Robbie Burns Day? I did not. And Robbie no. Burns Day is apparently like the Scots version of uh, Patty's Day, St. Yep. Patty's Day. And um, on top of that, so we got married New Year's Eve, went to Mexico for the honeymoon, and the wedding was just immediate family. And this was like the wedding party, like the party with friends and extended family, right? And my God, did we tie one on, my friend? What time was it when we left there? I have zero idea, actually. We were on the band. There was an open bar, band, and were you playing guitar? And me and my brother were singing? Yes, briefly that happened. As far as I remember. Until Kathleen's dad stepped in because he wanted to play some song that he wrote. That nobody else knew the words to. Yeah, it was an ending to a night, we'll say that. Yeah, to say the least. And I'm, I, hopefully there's no video footage, because that would be... I'm sure we butchered some songs. I hope... To, there, I think there was only like four people left, and three of us were playing in a band at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> or not playing in a band. We thought we were. Anyways. Our poor buddy Lewis's girl, pregnant girl wife, or girlfriend, was there DDing. Oh, and the sight she I saw... I forgot about that, actually. I was I actually forgot almost how I got home. Yeah. Did she drive you home? No, she told me I got into Guelph anyways with her and took an Uber at some point. Did you come back to my parents' house? That might have been it, yeah. Did you? Yeah. I don't even fucking remember that. Good God. I haven't got drunk like that with my brother in like I also, years, man. I also haven't got drunk like that with your brother before. <laughs> That's, uh, years, man. So literally Sunday was a write-off. Yeah. And even today I, did, I, could, I didn't hit the gym. Went to work, but didn't even hit the gym. I was like, this is going to be a fucking terrible day. Absolutely terrible day. I don't care what the RPs say. I'm going to warm up and it's going to be shit. You know, you know yeah. it's going to be a throwaway day. Um, so today was a complete write-off for me. Sunday, I achieved nothing. Took- Sunday, my only achievement was I managed to order pizza at around 1 or 2 in the afternoon. Most productive thing, I, I walked the boys at the dog park at like 9 p.m. That's so finally I started coming around where I could walk. And I walked the boys at the dog park. Minus 20 it was so freaking cold when the wind hits your face it's, it hurts and I didn't bring my bottle cloud for whatever reason but yeah it was brutal and no more booze until the Canadian Nationals which for everyone else not in Canada six weeks week, yes yeah, six weeks that's a long time to dry out but let me tell you something I don't even want to fucking sniff a drink I'm pretty right sure now. I still need six weeks to dry out after this week I cured myself from even wanting to have a cocktail I'm I, very, I'm it turned s- me off yeah man. no on Sunday I Murtaugh list getting drunk to that point yeah never again i'm just too old for that shit now it's, yeah that's enough it's oh jeez at some point I, at some point i gotta learn but um in saying that i want to talk to you about um apparently and this came in the news signing out of email i still got hotmail that's showing you my age but apparently there's a chinese scientist that just recently got fired by university for gene editing babies Babies that actually, like two girls, apparently, um, and he's editing their genes so certain, I guess, HIV and AIDS won't affect them. He was fired because this is against human love, but they don't know what they're charging yeah. with. They don't know if they're going to 
what, what it finds prison. It's China, it's, so who the fuck knows what they do? But the point is, we got doctors editing babies, gene editing, which is terrifying. But at the same time, you almost have to commend the guy. Like he's trying to do good. Well, he's saying. So they asked him in the press conference. He said he's proud, and everybody's yeah. like, "What you did is like it's unethical. It's this, that, and the other." Because you don't know what you're gonna do. But here's but so here's what I would love, and this is the fucking nerd in me, that he le- like he says, "Well, all I did was make it so they'll never have HIV and AIDS. I did them a favor. They're never gonna have this disease, that disease, whatever the shit." But wouldn't it be so sick? If this guy was like a video game nerd who left a little Easter egg in there, that on their <laughs> that on their twenty second birthday they fucking turn into like Aqua Woman or some bullshit. I'm or like, so glad. Their, I'm so their, glad you went that direction because I was how like, sick I was would like, it be if if on their twenty second birthday they turn into Wolverine, whatever the shit, a little Easter egg. And you're like ha ha ha, and he's got and that's just that's just the ones you found. You didn't find these six other guys. I just put together oh, yeah, the no, next Marvel more. universe, and That's... you guys found low-hanging fruit. You guys found version 1.0. That was exactly where my brain went to right away. Yeah. It's not editing genes to make sure that they can't get sick, which, again, kudos on him for doing that in a yeah. way, taking that risk. At the same time, you got to worry about how does that affect as they grow up? Like, what happens? Well, there's always it's Pandora's box. Yes. Yeah. You can't put the genie back on the bottle. But here's just the thing. because they can't get that. It doesn't mutate into something else then. This is a movie. This is a movie that people write all the time. And you see, you know, like, this is so fucking dumb. But, oh, typical superhero movie. No, this is happening now. And this is the dude we found. Yeah. How many... Are you... Ta- we don't know. In Russia, they haven't already fucking did that. We don't know goddamn Iceland hasn't been doing that for years. And that's why well, I, they got... That might explain the strength. They got half Thor Bjornsson... And 300,000 people, they got freaking, like, 10 times one of the world's strongest man and the CrossFit Games woman, world's fittest well, woman, and a goddamn soccer team that's top 10 in the world, and they have five people who live there. Explain to me. It's, it's you, all the same listen, people playing all these sports. Listen, this dude, this Chinese dude, better be like, now who the fuck is a lawyer in Iceland? Because I want to know how I'm getting in trouble, saving these kids from fucking AIDS, and yet Iceland clearly is fucking around with their genes. Tell me where the justice is, man. Tell me where this dude's like, okay, I'm in trouble. You guys fired me at this university? Yeah. Let me see if and, the university's And that's where hiring. my mind went to right away was, of course, it's not, you know, curing AIDS or anything like that. No, it's like... Give us Superwoman. I'm like, somehow they're going to make, like, the next breed of super. Give us Captain Marvel. The next super athlete. Well, well, okay, super athlete. Yeah, okay. We're on a sports podcast. Yeah, sure. Let's be nerds for a second here, too, though. Are we going to see fucking, like, X-Men? You know what I'm saying? But that would be sick. But we we know they can. We know, okay, I'm, right now we know with your genes, your DNA, you were told to age. Did you know that? Your DNA encoding tells your cells at a certain point to start aging. They know that. And they know they could turn that off, but they don't because ethically they don't think they should. Did you know that? That's let that fucking conundrum sit on you. That excuse me, pardon me. This just plays into my theory that I may be immortal as well. By the way, well, so well, all yeah. this though. But listen, so how is it that some billionaire isn't gonna get a hold of a fucking scientist at some point and be like, make this, that, and the other happen? And you're a billionaire. 
Oh yeah, no, it's a, it's a sci-fi movie waiting to happen. But it, how does it life, not have happened? It probably how has. How is it not? And there's not an island with somebody who's 300 years old. How is this? Sh- or he's going to be 300. Because, okay, technology's only right I mean, have now. You seen Patrick, then, have you seen Patrick Stewart? The guy hasn't aged in like 90 years. He probably dude, already is. There's a lot of things. Like, it he makes, actually is Professor X. <laughs> That's the irony. That's the irony when they cast him. He goes, oh. He's just like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really diving into this role. That's right. Where am I going to find my motivation? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is all right here at the forefront. Like, it's it's all... we like, Put away PEDs and that bullshit. That's fucking supplements. That's the fucking... That's like oh, 60s, yeah. 50s bullshit. This is next level... What? You got to take a supplement? Yeah, no, no. how are you... Go into your genes and turn you into the fucking Hulk. That they could do that. You don't need a fucking pill and if to gain zero point two percent. If you're watching reading, reading this story, you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, how are we testing this one? Yeah. So they already know they could do gene editing, and, but they just never have crossed that. And now they have. We already know we can clone. We already know what if we clone somebody and then edit on your clone and just see the side by side comparison. Okay. I kind of want to see that now, actually. <laughs> like, you could do some messed up shit. They yeah. can do carbon copies, too. I would love a clone of myself. I bet you would. you probably fuck the shit out of them. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, my biggest, I'm my biggest fan. Come on. Have you looked at Have you seen You me? sick fuck. You egomaniac. You'd what? be dating this guy. What does that even qualify as? <laughs> incest. Is it incest? Is know, it not? You'd, you'd be pushing bills to get married. You'd be, you'd be picketing to get married. But, uh... But yeah, man, I thought that was crazy. Jesus Christ. Any listeners that ever actually meet me in life are just going to be like, you're one hey, sick motherfucker. Paul, what the fuck is going on? We're probably still drunk from the weekend. You got to forgive us here. I am not. And you were telling me um, there's some upsets going on in football too? Not. I mean, it depends on what you want to call it upset, but there is some controversy going on between New Orleans Saints and St. Louis Rams yesterday. Yeah. Coming down to the final play, I believe it was. Blatant pass interference call. Like, clearly, St. Louis, or not St. Louis, sorry. New Orleans pass, going for the end zone. St. Louis player does what any other player would do in this situation. He's beat. He goes for the only play he has, and he just blatantly pass interference, just tackles this guy before the receiver, before the ball's even close. Yeah. Problem is, well, the refs completely miss this. And let and it, it And it just... Play continues, passes ruled and no pass, obviously, incomplete pass, changes the dynamic of the game, St. Louis marches back down the field, kicks field goal, wins the game. Oh, snap. So, I mean, obviously anybody that's watched this game that's a St. Louis fan is just happy as shit. But anybody, yeah. anybody that obviously, on New Orleans side is just losing their shit. Because it's their chance of going to the Super Bowl. Who knows yeah. what happens again for any of these players. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Or franchise. And even the NFL has now come out also and said that, has even admitted that they blew it. Can they, they do anything should. about it? No, there's nothing you can do now. Because the game, it has yeah. to be done. They couldn't have blown a whistle and, and um, asked for a replay during? I, honestly, I can't remember what the exact rules are for replays on a play like that. I believe it can be, cha- I don't believe it can be challenged though. I think it's just on-field ruling goes. Oh, damn. That is a tough pill to swallow, sir. Yeah. Wow. And that's sports. You know, people argue calls with, with powerlifting and shit, and I'm like, this happens everywhere. Yeah. Get used to it. That's sports. It's 
You're it, leaving anytime something's left up to the chance of human error. It's gonna happen. Yeah, eventually. it sucks when it's on a string. You don't notice a level like this. You won't notice the tons, millions of calls they get all the time to keep everything going that are all good. Why well, every sport? But you'll miss. You'll notice this one. Yep. This one stings. And so of that's course, a really now bad it's just gonna be under scrutiny. Oh wow. It sounds like it should be. Well, I mean, and it should. And it's unfortunate for the St. Louis players because, I mean, they played a good game regardless. Yeah. They marched themselves back from... They were behind for the beginning of the game. Like, yeah. they marched themselves back and got themselves in a point where they actually could take the game. Yeah. And kudos to them for capitalizing. You, you know what's... that? Okay, so that, that's interesting and throws me to a little follow-up. We were talking last episode about the guy, uh, ex-football player, threw his girlfriend into a pile of guns, which is... Violent on a couple different levels. Yep. Um, it sounds like a fucking parody of violence. Um, but uh, for NFL players and shit. But then kicked out of the NFL, started fighting the USC, fought on the weekend. Um, he won the first round, I believe. Second round comes, he's gassed. I mean, he's gassed. Everyone thought A-level athlete, whatever, but fighting's different. Uh, so he's gassed out, and the guy's fighting shoots for a takedown. He sprawls. You're not allowed to knee a guy when he's with his knees are on the ground. And he throws an illegal knee, knocks the guy out, and DQs himself. He's his own worst enemy, my friend. No shit. So he loses his yeah. UFC debut. Dana White said he'll be back. But, um, yeah, man, just a little kind of anticlimactic. But everyone's kind of like, you know what? He wasn't that... He was gassed very tired. Some people thought he threw the knee on purpose to get out. Because he looked like he was on his, he couldn't even raise it. When the doctor came in to check the guy who got knocked out with a knee, he was flat on his back as well, just huffing and puffing. Yeah, and it's like so. This it was, is, it was a desperation move to try and. It maybe, I mean, you can't, you'll never know. He says like, "Hey, look at I thought like I did. I thought I thought he raised his knee off the canvas, and I was trying to time it to catch him, because I sprawled and he's gonna have to come up, and I fucking threw it too soon. Tired, I'm tired as shit. And when you're yeah. tired, you're just it happens. You're in the middle of a fist fight with a million people watching. I could see, you know. So who yeah, knows? I know. it's, it's, it could it's, happen, it's, but either way, it's a DQ when he lost his debut. Which uh, for him, he only had three fights leading into the UFC. Probably not the worst thing, so they won't move him that fast to stay on this yeah. level and maybe have a few more fights. But yeah, a little anticlimactic. And then the um, main event, uh, bantamweight champion moved down to fight the flyweight champion. Moved down 10 pounds, got pumped in 32 seconds. And that was, uh, people like, oh shit. But um, he shrunk down, he was shredded 10 pounds up. And when he shrunk down, it looked like like he, like he was sick. Yeah. He looked like he was sick. There's only so much you can cut. And Any Anybody who was ever cut knows there's, you, there's, a limit. there's diminishing returns at yeah, some point. Yeah, there was diminishing returns at some point. And um, I mean, he couldn't take the punches. He just, he took a couple and a weight class up, the boys are bigger. Hitting harder. He could take yeah. a weight class down, two diminished. He took a couple, and, and the guy pushed, two-hand pushed him, and he went flying. It's like, you're the bigger man, though. Way too depleted. And, um, I mean, yep. you see that, like, in powerlifting, whatever. You get in where you fit in. There is a, there's a too far. There's a too far where you're like, uh-oh. I did Yes. Well, well, no, I didn't bring my strength down with me when I moved down. I mean, there's some guys who actually are stronger when they move up and look chubby. And it's just the way they are. Like, we've seen it. Well, we saw it Bryce Lewis. Bryce saw Lewis. Screamer Manual. Yeah. And these fellas are actually better at a heavier weight class with a little bit chub around them. They're just stronger for whatever reason. It's yep. not just the muscle mass. It's weird, man. Ryan Lapidat. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. 
But, uh, yeah, man, so uh, that was interesting to see because a lot of people thought, oh, fuck, he's got to be the favorite. He's going to so destroy it. Basically, kind of an anticlimactic... Uh, Dude, yeah. Card for UFC. Yeah. Though. All the... All the uh, Cowboys Ferroni, a guy who's like a 45 veteran in UFC and WEC, like under Zufa, uh, promotions, that's who owns the UFC. 45 veteran, some kid was talking huge shit, saying, like, you're old, you're done, you're washed up, I can't wait to use you as a stepping stone. You've been around here this long, and you haven't won a title, you're not going to win a title, I'm going to, so I'm going to use you as a stepping stone, whatever. And Cowboy was like, well, we'll see. And then they went in there, and Cowboy fucking pumped the fucking piss out of this kid. And this kid was battered all over the ring and stopped in the second round. And Conor McGregor, who usually talks a lot of shit, actually tweeted him and said, congratulations, that's a hell of a fight, and said, I'd like to fight you. And not even as a shit talk was like, yeah, which instantly makes you a millionaire. Yeah. By the way, like that's the best news you could get. That's the best thing oh, Conor yeah. could say to you is, I'd like to fight you. Well, here's, it does basically like saying here's $5 million. And, and Cowboy can be like, thank you very much, I'll retire now for the rest of my life. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, if you, Conor wants to treat that to me, I mean, I'm in too. Dude, nobody says no. Yeah. I'm going to get, yeah, you, I'll be, I'll be like TJ Dillashaw, get pumped out in 32 seconds. Maybe, maybe last longer than the bantamweight champion in the world did moving down. Who knows? <laughs> you dancing around, fucking clinching, and just, that, just survival, just survival. Just head, head covered. Head covered. Fucking throw a knee. But, uh, but anyways, um, but we I missed all the fights, man. I was heavy drunk, and for some reason, up in the goddamn band with a microphone in my hand, which is never good. I cannot sing. If you ever see me... With the microphone in my hand trying to sing. We, we knew where that night went by that point. Oh, God. Well, I mean, man. we didn't actually at that point, but... Yeah. So, anyways, um, today, we got uh, Nathan Tannis from Australia. My man's here. Coming, to us, coming to us in the future. Coming to us in the future. The dude, in, in the 83 kilo class, it's funny, because you got guys, we're saying, like, um, Bryce Krawcheck. Who's a 105 silver medalist at the world championships, IPF world record breaker, and he's like, yeah. So I squatted 575 for a couple reps today. Pretty good for me, but that'd make me pretty average for an 83 kilo guy. Yeah, it's funny because 105s, world class 105s are like, yeah, I, I'm not fucking squatting with these goddamn 83s are these days. It's nuts, man. No, you've got well, you've got the 83 kilo class pumping out squats and you got Amanda Lawrence pumping out squats yeah who's 84 yeah. kilo it's crazy around it's that, that weight whatever so it is just with that weight it's just just insane. killing the game um, like you've got 700 pound squats now happening in 83 kilo guys like yeah. also already in the gym like a 700 pound squat so um, and so for the end of the year of 2008, when you got names like Russell Orhe taking the world record, then Bryce, or sorry, uh, Brett Gibbs taking the world record, and when it ends off with your name on that plaque by the end of the year, that's why it's, it was a no-brainer. Nathan, T- and when people talk about the 83 kilo class being a shark tank when it comes to squatters, and you have the world record at the end of 2018. Well, you're probably going to be the two, the 2018 yeah. squatter of the year. Some people will think, why not this guy? Why not that guy? In terms Especially of in the year that 2018 was. Like, as you said, like, when you've got the world record constantly dropping, you've got pe- every single person in the class pumping out 600 squats for, yeah. you know, sets of fives and eights and think just about, ridiculous shit. Think about the weight class that he resides in and who he had to take that record from. Let that sit in. And then when people, I don't care if he's got as many fucking followers as some other guys. That's not what it is. It's straight up as, as uh, you know, experts in the field who follow the far. You know, I see every single session at the Worlds and commentate on it. And I we, we watch every single of the major meets. 
it's got to be who you see as the best squatter and put away popularity, whatever the shit. Yeah. And um, man, I can't think of anybody else but that kid. Just uh, so we'll see. Because 2019 is going to be a hell of a... I don't know who's, who's going to end off with it in 2019. The way Russell hit 700. We've never seen anybody hit 700. Yeah, with the way Russell hit 700, you have to think Russell is, but... We said the same thing in 2018, so... And look, yeah. And look who ended up on top, so... Yeah. And we, you never would have seen Nathan come. No. Got Beginning of 2018. After 2018, he's a marked man. He's a marked man now. Russell, Russell's like, I yep. see you now. Brett's like, I see you now, kid. So we'll see what yep. happens. And as I said, you can never count out Gibbs either. Oh, hell no. No, no, no. Gibbs, is, Gibbs always seems to rise to the occasion. Stay low-key right now, but Worlds is so yeah, far away. so far away. He doesn't yeah. have to... He's low-key leading into this Worlds, too. And apparently he's doing hella work. Because when he showed up, it was absolutely 8.30. He totaled, out-totaled the guys in the 93-kilo class above him. Yep. And, and he looked like he had a lot more left in the tank that day, too. He hit the number exactly what he wanted. The 10-time body weight yep. deal. But, um, yeah. Anyways, with no further ado, let's give Nathan Tannis a break. So, Nathan Tannis, the man who uh, we gave the squat squatter of the year for the males in 2018. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Not Quite bad. the year for you for 2018, huh? It was huge, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, I mean, I, I competed three times. One was sort of a warm-up comp. Um, another one was uh, invitational with World Powerlifting. And then last of all was the Oceana Championships on the Gold Coast. And for a lot of people, like myself included... Um, everybody initially was looking at guys like Russell Orhe and Brett Gibbs. Um, did you watch the World Championships? Yeah, I watched heaps of it. Um, it. It's a bit sucky that the time difference, it's like 14 hours time difference. Yeah. So some of the time I was up at like a session would start at 2 a.m. Whoa. But uh, yeah, no, I watched a bit of it. And you woke up at 2 a.m. to watch it? Holy smokes, that's a fan right there. Quite a few sessions, yeah. Yeah, and did you see the 83 kilo boys? Yeah, I watched it live. That session wasn't too bad. It was more like 10 a.m. So, And what did you think when you were watching Orhe and Gibbs go toe-to-toe and they were hitting, um, what was the squat world record at the time? It was around 301 and a half kilo? It was 298. Yeah, was it? 298 okay. by uh, Hack. That's right. And then Orhe took it and then Gibbs took it. Now, at that time, did you realize you were able to take that from those fellas when you're watching the 83 Kilo Boys battle? Well, uh, I had the world record in the world powerlifting. Not that that means a whole lot, but in April, it was um, I squatted 300. So I knew I was more than capable of. Wow. See, so let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so what is the world, for those who don't know, what is the world powerlifting and, uh, like, who's running it? And were you always in world powerlifting? Like, how, how, would, how did all that work? Um, so you know what happened with, uh, like, Robert Wilkes, the IPF, how he got, he got booted out? Yeah. Um, well, world powerlifting is Robert Wilkes's sort of uh, world federation, his equivalent of the IPF. Uh, so that started up early 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the powerlifting Australia lifters, which is what I was in, was then into world powerlifting and not the IPF. Uh, so was sort of thrown into that. Uh, I know there's a lot of lifters that wanted to be in the IPF, um, sort of including me, 
we just had to wait it out and see what was going to happen with it all. Um, so there was a bit of confusion on are we in the IPF, are we not? And it's still a bit like that in Australia. Um, so, yeah, I was competing with World Powerlifting up until about uh, August, I think. Oh, okay. So just past yeah. the World Championships, basically. Uh, it, it was an invitational in April. So it was just uh, we had some countries like Nauru, uh, like Singapore. Uh, there was a couple of others, a couple of the other Oceania countries. Um, and then they held their worlds in October. I was going to be a part of that, but um, uh, it might have been November, their worlds. Um, but I decided around August that IPF was definitely the way to go. So could you, was it easy to leave and rejoin the IPF in your situation? Uh, no, there was a fair bit of pressure from 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 Robert to stay. Um, he obviously wants his better lifters to stay in world powerlifting to support his federation. And uh, the Australian rules on it all, they're very, very strict. Like, um I think, I think in the US, I'm, I'm not sure about Canada, you can go and compete in like a local meet in another federation. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do that at all in Australia. Um, You've you got to stick with PA or you get a, like a 12-month ban. Holy smokes. Um, so yeah, there was a fair bit of like, if I do cross over to Australian Powerlifting Union, that's the, the IPF in Australia now, that's, uh, if that goes to shit. You know, you sort of left in the dark, and Robert Wilkes was warning me of that. And yeah, I, I'm not sure what he's what he actually believes is going to happen, but um, yeah, he's still telling everyone that PA um, is in world powerlifting and the IPA. So hmm. it's quite confusing for a lot of lifters. Yeah, so you don't know exactly what the proper information is, but I'm pretty sure. I know the relationship's not good with the IPF and Robert Wilkes. I, myself, I'm not exactly sure either. But, um, yeah, I know the new federation is there, though. Sean Muir yeah. runs it, correct? Yeah, Sean Muir runs it. Uh, the new federation's up and going. It's had a, a really good first year. Um, like, the PA is still the, the main federation in Australia. But APU's getting quite a few good lifters. Um, and we'll have a team at the World Championships in Sweden. Yeah. So what other lifters have transferred over that you know of so far? Um, there was a couple of lifters that competed in, uh, it's called GPC. It's another Australian federation. It's not drug tested. It's just, uh, yeah, I heard, sure I heard GPC. Or not. Yeah. Global Powerlifting Council, I think, or something like that. It, it might be, yeah. yeah. And they got a few lifters from there. Um, I'm assuming those lifters just didn't want to be a part of Powerlifting Australia. And now that APU has started up in the IPF, they've got a few of them. Um, plus, uh, there was a few lifters of this year's Worlds um, for Australia. There wasn't many. There was, I think, one or two in the Open team, maybe three or four juniors. Uh, most of them come from uh, PA. Yeah, I've seen some. Like, I remember there was some Australian lifters for sure at the Worlds. Not a whole lot, but there was there was some lifters anyways. Um, I mean, and even like the, the flight and everything was crazy. Like it's, yeah. it's, it couldn't be further. Literally it's another day. Exactly. And potentially longer. Like I'm looking at the times for Sweden and 
and it takes with stopovers anywhere between 22 and 30 hours. And that's Sweden. And that's closer than Canada was um, in 2018, which is yeah. going to be just yeah. insane to make that flight. It would be, I wonder how long it would be, because I remember I was out in Australia last year, and my flight from Toronto to Australia was around 24 hours. That's brutal. And, but the time zone but difference... Is the time zone difference is literally a day. Yeah. You're a time traveler when you do that. Like, yeah. you lose a day, it fucks you up big time. Oh, yeah. It was it was two days later when I arrived. When you show up, yeah, yeah it's like, oh, you just lost a day. And then when you go back, oh, you just gained a day. Yeah. It's like, what the shit? Like, I can only imagine a, a lifter. You got to really show up early if it's going to be in Canada. Like, that's, that's yeah. a hell of a flight. I'm from. <laughs> yeah, like, that's tough. You got to... And, and that's one of the tougher things. Like, if how often do the worlds even roll around... To the Oceania section. I mean, Brett's done fairly well. Brett had the day of his life. Yeah, but Brett also from... came back or came to Canada fairly early because his his yeah. girlfriend's from here. Yeah, he was a crazy early, was he? Or maybe he just didn't show up in the venue till a couple days earlier. For Either way, it's if, yeah. if it's possible. Now Brett's also an entrepreneur, uh, a coach, and doing it like yeah. from stuff, so we can take as much time off work as he needs to and work wherever he goes. For someone who's got to take time off work and fly, it's a hell it's, of a... That's yeah. the majority of us, right? Yeah. It's tough, man. It makes life tough. Um, so so uh, you're you're going to be on the team for Sweden, though? Yes. Yes, I'll be there. Um, we'll have a few other open lifters as well. Um, we've got a 74 kilo lifter. Uh, I think... I'm not sure if he's junior or not. I think last year might have been his last year. Um, so he'll be in the open team, and he'll be getting pretty close to podium. Um, the 74 was it's Atwood as you know and then yeah. massive gap uh, potentially the there's the equipped lifter if he does alright yeah uh, he won in 2017 and then there's another big gap um, so he'll be he'll be going for a podium spot I know how do you feel about this new formula I don't know if you've seen it um, hmm. I haven't got to mess around with it too much I just know some people were posting I think it was like the top seven or eight from with the Wilkes formula and top seven or eight with the new formula. And there's some big shifts, particularly 74 kilo boys and the three kilo boys move into the top. I think the top guy all time was Jesse Norris. Now yeah, yeah. Ray dropped way down to seventh. Um, Taylor Atwood and Brett Gibbs are neck and neck. I can't remember who's second and third. Uh, I, th- I, I think Atwood may be ahead. I, I would like like think Atwood's ahead, but I think Fedoshenko is still in second. With the uh, yeah. Are you sure? Formula. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, I think it was... Because I remember talking to Atwood and him saying it's going to be a battle with him and Brett for who gets best lifter. For best lifter. For, yeah. Fedoshenko will be there, though. But Fedoshenko will be there. So I don't know if they were behind Fedoshenko. I'm pretty sure they were. I think yeah. Fedoshenko was still number two. I think they were as well, yeah. Yeah? How do you feel about this new formula? Well, being an 83 kilo uh, lifter, it, it suits me fairly well. Um, but it, it definitely, you know, it throws it all around. Like I just said, Ray Williams dropping way down. Um, of last year's rankings, he's like, uh, he's not even in the top 100. It's Holy, is that right? Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Like my, I think my... Score was seven ninety something. Uh, Ray's was like seven sixty. It's just wild, and I think Ray's a lot better than that. Wow! 
I didn't yeah. realize he dropped to not even top hundred. Now I'm wondering because there was there was pushback um, with the rankings because previously with the Wilkes formula there was just a huge skew towards heavyweights. If there was a good heavyweight in the field, he would be a great 83 kilo or 74 kilo. And like when I'm not even talking to Ray Williams, I mean like a solid heavyweight will beat a great 83 and 74 sometimes, right? Like it's just, it was too skewed. But it looks like, are we looking at this new formula might have its own skews? It may. Um, I've I've seen the the sort of stack behind it um, where it mentioned like how many 83 lifters there are or how many 120 plus, and it all matched up with the good athletes. Uh, But um, I can just never see a lifter that's 160 kilo, you know, now being as competitive as Atwood or Gibbs or Pachanko. Is that what it did is um, basically take into account talent pool? And that's how it tried to... See, that's the big thing is with these formulas is I know previously if you just look at stats in terms of overall rankings, like, like people's totals, talent pool is a big one where how many human beings are walking around as super heavyweights? So when you're the top of when you're the top of that talent pool, it's kind of like you're the top of very yeah, few. Men. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when you're the top of an 83 kilo class, that's pretty much the average man. Yeah. The vast majority of men walking around are going to fall into somewhere between 83 kilo. So yeah, and when we talk about the talent pool, the 83 kilo class, we're also as we were mentioning this. It's crazy. Intro, it's crazy. It's absolutely it's shark, insane. It's a it's Shark Tank now. If you scout the whole world, there is like three guys in the 120 plus, and then there's everybody else. Now, with Pablo and with Luke Richardson, five guys. But if you look at the 83 kilo boys, you got like 10 guys in the U.S. alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like Um, it's. Like, uh, we can off Australia's nationals. Um. Yeah, the top 10 in the U.S. would have got, you know, top 11 in Australia. Yeah, it's, it's just wild. It's, it's, if you look at, and, and that's just, like, look, at I'm saying the top 10 in U.S. are phenomenal, and the world champion is not even from U.S. Like, it, it gets better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the world record holder is you in squat, and then you got Brett Gibbs in New Zealand. Like, it's, it gets better and better as we go. You got O. Hubbard. Um, you know what I mean? It's, there's like, like, let alone the rest of the world. So when you think about the depth of competition with the 83 kilo boys, I mean, I, it, it'll be tough. I got to see how this new formula plays out to really tell. There's always going to be some controversy though when it first comes. Like if you said Ray Williams drops from number one to not even top 100, off the top, that's going to rattle that's, some people wrong. Yeah, and it has to, you know, if you hear that, you almost have to question it as a power lifter. It makes you be like, hmm. But... Here's the one thing Ray doesn't need. Um, he doesn't need more accolades, and he's probably not too worried. He knows I'm the strongest man at every world championships. My total, no, like, I'm strong. I'm number one. Yeah. When it comes to absolute strength. So you guys use whatever kind of small man formulas you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Make yourself feel good. But I'm still the king of the jungle. And um, that's why I think most of the heavyweights will be like, eh, whatever. That's more for yeah, small. That's for, that's for the smaller guys. If you're going to use a formula and kicking it over to the big boys again when they're already the absolute strongest, they're probably like, all right, you know what? I'm probably okay. I don't need too many more accolades. It's okay for you guys to have a couple. 
Yeah. But it does make things interesting where now we're going to see the 74 kilo and 83 kilo boys battle out for these titles. Yeah. Uh, um, I've spoken to so one of the 120 plus lifters in Australia and he's sort of thinking the same. But, but bugger the formula, you know, yeah. he's just going to gain weight and be the strongest. Yeah. Um, as far as like the, the bigger guys in Australia, um, with the books formula, the top rankings were just dominated by big guys. Um, as far as like just 500 books goes, there's like seven, maybe seven males. Uh, five of them were like 120 or 120 plus. Holy um, smokes, when, yeah. Yeah, it's even more in Australia skewed that way that, you know, we don't have many big guys, but they're all right at the top. Not yeah. anymore, but... Yeah, like well, PA it, is still going to use the Wilkes formula for now. Yeah, but um, I've spoken to Wilkes. Uh, he even even he agrees that his formula is very outdated, and he'll be updating his this year as well. Um, I'm not quite sure. I haven't seen it yet. But is, uh, is, I'm he, assuming if, is he still talking to you? You guys okay? Is it uh, before you left? Oh, uh, we're not too bad. We spoke couple of months ago, uh, sent in person, sort of a, a bit of a fake smile, but uh, I like the guy, but um, yeah, that's a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of is what it is. I mean, it, um, I, I don't I don't follow uh, his federation. There's so many federations, and when it comes to like drug-tested powerlifting, like IPS, definitely the biggest. So it's like, it's crazy, because you were saying you would actually hit the world record, what would have been the world record in the IPF outside of the IPF, people hadn't known about it. Didn't even see you coming. I didn't see you coming. And I watch powerlifting like a mofo. I'm reposting like daily all over the world, um, you know, like commenting at the IPF world so I get to see all the world-class guys. And some people fly under your radar after with the smaller feds. You come to the IPF, boom goes the dynamite and everybody knows who you are. Um, did you feel it like after you squatted that world record, did all of a sudden people start pop, you, you start popping up on people's radar and you're getting the messages and people coming to you after that? The IPF world record. You yeah. Mean? When you made it official in the IPF. Official. Yeah. It made a big difference. Like, as you said, when I hit 300 in April, world powerlifting world record, nobody knew. Yeah. Nobody could. Which is a shame. Um, yeah. 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 Cause it was done, you know, drug tested. Let me roar. It's just a whole different federation, which is sort of why I changed over to APU and the IPF. And um, you, you know how Robert Chi changed his uh, weight classes? No, I didn't know that. Uh, well, just say so the middleweight men are now 77 and 85. Oh. Yeah, so that, that didn't work with me either. Like, um, when I heard that, I was thinking, oh, i got to cut down to 77 because... Um, fairly light, 83. Um, last year I weighed in at like 81 and a half in a comp. Um, I've still got a lot of room to grow in the 83s. But sort of, I wasn't a fan of that. I talked with a couple of other things. And well, why, why, do you know why he changed those weight classes? It's kind of weird that he would do that. Um, yeah, he, he done some homework on it and it was about, uh, I think the, the Olympic weightlifting did a similar thing, how they didn't want, like, a certain class to be almost deserted. Like, the 59s, there's just very little lifters because 
59 kilo male, there's not many of them, especially when you start lifting and gaining muscle. Yeah. So you moved the weight classes up, uh, I think uh, 62, 69, 77, 85, and then sort of flattens out 94, 105. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's the Olympic weightlifting classes, 85 kilo and 77 kilo. I think that is right as well. Yeah, I think he took the Olympic weightlifting classes. Hmm. Man, I would love a 77 kilo class. You would? Mm-hmm. Be less, be less, yeah, me too. I'd like it. Be less for me to cut. See, it's crazy you say you're a small 83 kilo, Nathan, because usually squats, like size helps with a little bit of squat when you're underneath the bar. Um, are, are you planning on keeping on gaining more weight? Um, well, I'm weighing in at 86 at the moment, and you know, it's not too far off, but I'm definitely not lean. So I'll be in the 83s for at least... Yeah, a few years. I still got a lot of muscle to grow in the eighty threes before I have to move up. Like you see, Gibbs, Russell, how much muscle they got in their frame? They're a little bit shorter. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I competed seventy four a few years ago, so I don't mind being lean. Actually, I prefer it, but it got to the point where the seventy fours was just a little bit too much to cut. Do you do water cuts? I do, but um, I've attempted about. My last 74 kilo um, comp, I was weighing 77 a week out, and for whatever reason, I, I, I usually lose a bit of weight as the week goes on. For whatever reason, I didn't. I weighed in at like 77.2, 24 hours out. So that was sort of the decision. Like I compete 74s that comp, I almost died, and then I'd move up uh, when I was competing like two months later in, in the nationals. What do you do for a water cut? Do you do like the water loading and then cut it 24 hours out? Uh, yeah, I cut it about 16, 17 hours out. Um, sodium loading as well. Uh, I don't mind the sauna, to be honest. As long as I'm not too dehydrated going in, I don't mind going in losing like 500 grams. Um, I, I did that for a comp in uh, August last year. And... Um, yeah, I felt fine. Uh, it was a bit tricky because the the competition weighing was six a.m. Mm. and I'm in a different town. Um, uh, it was about eight p.m. the night before. And I'm looking at my weight and I'm like eighty four and a half. I'm thinking I'm not going to make it. So I thought uh, maybe bath, maybe shower may do it, but. Um, I needed to make weight for this one. It was the nationals. Um, I didn't need to hit good lifts. I just needed to make weight, uh, win my class, so I could go to Worlds. And um, yeah, so I set off to a sauna about an hour and a half drive away, and um, came back feeling alright. Um, hour and a half just, drive oh, away to find the next wow. sauna. Holy moly! It, it was like midnight. Oh damn! At oh. midnight too. This really is a last minute. Yikes. Yeah, I really, I wasn't too prepared for that one. Um, I should plan it better. I always make sure I know where a sauna is because it was in a whole different city. Yeah, um, that, that's easier said than done. I mean, yeah. I've been to situations like a hotel. I'm like, how the fudge is there no sauna? I've been in hotels where it's not even a bath. Like I could do a hot mm-hmm. bath with Epsom salts and just not even a bath. So I got a shower, no sauna. It's like, holy smokes. I started actually um, bringing heating pads with me and now I got a way of taking all the covers off of bed 
and taking towels, creating a makeshift sauna in a hotel with heating pads. And man, it'll, it'll, it works. It'll get you cooking, man. The sweat will start coming off. I can make a sauna in a hotel room. You've been in enough situations like that, you just start becoming resourceful and find solutions, right? Exactly. Um, my last competition, um, because of the mishap that happened before, I, I was ringing up just to get, you know, make sure there's a sauna nearby. It turned out the venue had a sauna. And then I give them a call about four days out, and they're like, we got one, but it's down. It's not working. Shit. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, not too bad. Turned out I rocked up there. I was weighing like 82 and a half. Easy, I got to eat into it. Did you have any sleep? Um, yeah, no, I had a good amount of sleep. Yeah. How much, like, a night before a big competition, are you able to sleep much? Or are you the type of guy that sleeps kind of here and there, a couple hours there, a couple hours here, and that's it? Uh, I sleep all right, but um, be- because of my work, I usually work, like, 4 p.m. To, to midnight, so I'm not used to getting sleep uh, to sleep to, like, 2 a.m. I can still get to sleep at, like, 2 a.m., but if I've got a 6 a.m. weigh-in, I'm going to struggle. If it's a 10 a.m. weigh-in, I'm all good. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I'm not, especially lifting that early in the morning, man. I am not a morning person. Do you take, like, nah. pre-workouts and stuff like that? Uh, I just have an energy drink. Yeah. I definitely, I pop some caffeine pills the whole night. Um, I got to, man. I'm not a morning person. You've had some weight cut issues. I, I prefer weighing in in the mornings. Do you? Yeah. Just mm. in terms of being able to time it? Just I find it easier for timing. I find it easier for the fact that I get to sleep away part of the weight cut. That's true. You don't I have to wake up and feel The longer shit. I'm awake for it, the more stress you start getting about watching your weight, I find. It starts bumping up the cortisol levels, which... Cortisol is the worst thing because yeah. then you can't... Then you're retaining water. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit. And it becomes yeah, like no, a I'm self-fulfilling f- prophecy. Yeah. I'm worried about making weight. Well, now you got reason to be because your cortisol through the roof. Um, it's true. As long as you go to bed close enough, but if you go to bed and you're unsure and you're like hoping for a miracle, yeah. you're going to wake up having dispensed somehow, please be the bed or something. <laughs> and, uh, you wake up and you're like, Oh damn. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. See, I agree with you in terms of if I got to be dehydrated, let me sleep through it. But I also don't like lifting too early in the morning. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer like a 12, uh, 12 p.m. weigh that lets me, you know, wake up if I'm underweight by any chance. I can start eating, drinking a little bit. If I'm a little bit over, it's not too early. Saunas are open. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If the weigh-in's like 8 a.m., 6 a.m., chances are you would not find a sauna nearby. And that's what happened with the last competition. There was many saunas mm-hmm. just not open at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. Yeah. That's why I got to, um, you know what, I should write a flipping blog about how to create a sauna in your hotel room for anybody who runs into this situation. Because yeah. I think a lot of people run into it, man. I didn't, you know what, I can't take full credit for it. Randy Cook, who does some of the co-hosting, he's the one who actually made it. Um, he's like, let me show you something. It started stacking, the weight starts stacking everything. He's like, get inside that. I'm like, what the fuck, would you build a fort? He's like, get inside it, trust me. And holy smokes, the sweat started coming out of me. Um, I gotta try that next It time. works, man. It works. Yeah, you're right, gonna message me that. Yeah. Right, awesome. right there, yeah, yeah. you don't even have to leave your hotel room. So your scale is there and everything. So you just towel off, weigh in, hop back in your little makeshift sauna, and you never gotta leave your room. Uh, but you need to buy heating pads, a few of them, so your body's covered in heating pads, and then the whole thing, and dude, it's brutal, but it works. 
It's better than a sauna. I swear to God, I sweat faster than a sauna. It's brutal, man. But it works. It works. That shit flies out of you. The issue I have with like like uh, and traveling and competing is um, not having like comp scales. If I've just got my normal scales in the hotel room, like I estimate they're about two hundred off. They're about two hundred heavy. Yeah. But I never know how they're going to change with travel, knocking them around, all that. So I like to be, you know, make sure I'm definitely good. Um, I know Oceana's in 2016, it was in New Zealand. They had a, the sort of designated hotel and had comp scales there. It was great. A sauna in the, in the venue, comp yeah. scales, yeah. and a 15-minute drive to the... Eases a little bit of tension. I've had... Uh, that exact issue, I was, uh, my scale at home the whole time was three pounds off, which uh, is like, what is that in kilos? It's like 1.4. Yeah, 1.4 kilos or some shit like that. So, man, it's, so when I showed up at the venue, Paul, you were there, I had to like <laughs> hop on a yep. freaking, um, what do you call those things? Oh, the elliptical. Elliptical with a sweatsuit mm. on, and you only have so much time. They're like, my friend, you've got like 45 minutes to lose three pounds. Like a 1.4 kilos. Like you got, you got to go right now. And I'm like, what do you have? Well, this is a, at a high school gym. So in the high school um, weight room, they had elliptical. Threw on the sweatsuit and was on a freaking elliptical trying to work off weight is brutal, man. It, was that the day it looked like I had two black eyes? Yeah. It was, it was terrible, man. I was like. Did that, did that affect performance at all? Or? Oh, my friend. It was terrible. So the only reason why I did this. The whole competition, I had, um, it was the regional championships. It's like a national level competition where you could set national records in Canada. But uh, two weeks before that, and I had to fly out to it and everything. Canada's a big country, kind of like Australia. It's bigger than Australia, but like you know, because Australia's big. We had to fly to this bad boy. Um, so before, this is the first time I was doing 83 kilo, I was cutting down. So I did two weeks out, I did a little local competition uh, just to test actually being in a hotel, having to make weight and see what it was like. It's different when you do it at your house and you're on your own scale. I wanted to see what it's like at an actual competition. I was only going to do openers, but I wanted to see the stress. That's when all that bullshit happened to me. And um, yeah, I just did openers, but it was garbage. Just a terrible day. Came home. Joey Flex was coaching me at the time. And I'm like, Joey, uh, I got to lose three pounds because I'm not doing that again day of, and we got to tighten it up. But at least I had afforded myself that much, went to the competition, won, got best lifter, did really well, but I did like that test cut. And that's what I tell everybody. If you're going to change weight classes, if it's going to be a bigger competition, do a test cut, not at home and then go to the gym, do a test cut at a little bullshit local meat that you don't care about. Hit your openers and see what it's like. Because when you're on, like like you were saying, in a hotel and it's other people's, it's another person's room, everything's not yours. You know, you don't have any tangibles that you're under your control. Yeah. That's when you really test it out and you get a preview. And it'll suck, but at least you'll know. So the competition you do care about a few weeks later, you're like, all right, <laughs> I know I the body. And, yeah. And even if you can't get to a small local comp, you know, if you can't do that, at least a month out, two months out, just Test do the up. water loading, do all that. You don't have to compete. Just lift on the Saturday or the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. See how you feel after yeah. two hours of making your weight, hopefully. 
Yeah, like at the very least, you're going to have to do the whole procedure and know how <laughs> shitty it is. And the reason why it's good, the more times you do something, um, the easier it is for you mentally to bounce back. Because when you're cutting, there's a point where you're like, oh my God, I feel terrible. And you start questioning, am I going to bounce back? Like, am I going to feel okay after this? Um, and inevitably, like, you do as long as you follow procedure. And the more you do it, the more you refine it. So that's why I'm always like, you know, when Isabella came on here and said she's not doing any practice cuts, she's going to world championships for the first time cutting it, flying and everything. I was like, holy smokes, man. I don't know if that's a good idea. (laughs) But, I mean... Learn, you, you live and learn, right? But Well, it even comes down to like learning how you rehydrate yourself properly as well. It's just as important. The timing of it. So she was 0.4 off. Very close. Relatively close. But mm-hmm. if, if you start dehydrating, like, if you do it enough times, I know how long I have to, to lose a kilo. I know how long my body hangs on to three kilos. Like, you know how much time to give yourself. If you've never done it, you're like, when's the way in? I guess I'm on pace. I guess I'm on time. How do you know, though? So it's just, exactly. you, know, yeah. you know, I would always tell anybody who's doing this, especially international, you know, do some testing. Just like anything. Test that. Data is key when you're bringing in data. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a guy in Australia, I'm sure you know him, JP Catchy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's done weight cuts so many times. I've chatted to him about it that, like he knows that as long as he's within his time frame where he should to be at that specific time, then he doesn't have to stress about it. Um, like he does crazy cuts as well. He'll wake up like two kilo over and just sauna. Yeah, uh, I I sauna about four hundred. Uh, that's max I can do. Yeah, it's 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 experience to knowing how your body reacts. So you know, four mm. hundred as much as I'll get out of my body. It doesn't matter how long I stay in there. Sometimes that happens. So you know that though, but if you were just a J, JP Cucci athlete and you're just following him and you didn't do any cuts and you think, well, that's okay. I'll wake up four kilo heavy and I have four kilo to sweat out, but that's fine. I've seen JP do it yeah. all the time. I follow him on Instagram, whatever. It's not the same for everybody. That's why it's like, you got to do it. You got to do it. Exactly. Everyone's body is so different. Um, some will lose a kilo. Some will lose lose two and a half, three quite easily. Yeah. It's a huge factor that, it's a huge factor that some people, if you haven't done it, you don't even realize how much it could either make a day smooth sailing or completely change the game. (laughs) It could completely change the game. It could take the favorite and turn him into a middle of a packer real quick. I've definitely had it go both ways. Yeah. Well, you do it enough times, you'll, you'll get cocky and you'll start doing like, I'm going to try this seven kilo now, you know, like I could get it really big. I'll be an 83 guy lifting in the 74s. And then it's like, oh shit. Um, in there and done that. Eventually there's a tipping point. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's done it. Sean Noriega had a bad cut. The international, everybody eventually, if you cut enough weight, you'll like get your hand slapped, putting your hand in the cookie jar. You went for one too many cookies, you know what I mean? You got greedy. Uh, but it is what it is. So in ter- exactly. for yourself in terms of squatting, I want to ask you about um, a little bit about your background because for a lot of us, you kind of came out of nowhere, snatched that world record and everybody's like, holy shit. And of all the world records to take, we we're talking about this before you came on. We have like 105s 
And I mean, like, world champions like Bryce Lewis doing reps in the 500s. And that's what 83 kilo boys do for their, their top sets these days. We got, like, 93 kilo 105s squatting the same as 83 kilo guys. Guys like Russell Orhe hitting 700 in the gym. And of all the world records to take, I think the 83 kilo squat world record might have been the hardest for a single event. If I had you off the top of my head, and that's the one you took. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about uh, a bit about your background, because I know a lot of people are probably like, holy shit, who's Nathan Tannis? Because everybody's looking at Russell Orhe, everybody's looking at the GOAT, uh, Brett Gibbs, and then you came out of Australia and just smashed this thing and took him for both of them. So what, when did you start weightlifting? Uh, I started back in 2011. Uh, I would have been about 16. Um, I was really small. I was like 54 kilograms. Um, so tiny, um, like 54 kilograms at five foot seven and a half. Um, I was like a stick. And uh, it started out just wanting to sort of get, you know, grow some muscle, look a bit better. And I ended up hiring Alberto Nunes as a coach back then. Um, I plan on doing like a bodybuilding comp in a few years. And I just, um, like, we were lifting, like, squat, bench, deadlift. Um, he's got solid programming. And then I started to get strong, like, pretty quickly. Um, and that's when I thought, you know, I'm probably going to be a better powerlifter than I ever would be bodybuilder. And, uh, yeah, so I went from there. And when did you start actually competing in powerlifting? Uh, I started in 2014. Uh, my first comp... It was 74 kilo, and uh, I, think, I think I totaled 535, maybe. So, and it's been pretty pretty linear from now on. Um, like we're talking 25, 30 each comp for a while. There's been a couple of stalls. How, uh, you know, I might have like a six for nine day, and uh, you know, doesn't make any progress there. But uh, overall, it's been pretty smooth. Um, I wouldn't say I've progressed insanely fast. It's just being in Australia, you know, we don't get noticed as much. Yeah. Well, it's and that's the thing where, like, it's funny how people talk about, like, overnight successes, but they're 10-year overnight successes. This is like in almost every sport. It's like, no, no, no. You just found out about this guy now. He's been working hard in the dark for years, and now the light is shining yeah. on him right now. Um, so what's the biggest, in terms of your, your progression with your squat, how did your programming start off initially in your squat? And then technically and programming-wise, how was that developed to make you into um, the greatest squatter in the 83-kilo class the IPFC? Well, I started off, um, you know, like the starting strength program. Oh, I yeah. started off basically doing that. So it's like the three by five of everything. I think I squatted twice a week, bench twice, deadlift once. And that took my squat from like... Uh, about 100, 120 to maybe 190 within about a year. Um, I've had a couple of different coaches along the way. Um, but for the past about three years, it's been Amir Fazeli. And uh, it would have been three years ago, I would have squatted like 260. And what's that, so, what's that in 216 pounds? Yeah. yeah 580. Yeah. 580? Okay. About 75. So you're putting up a decent squat, and this is three years ago? Yes. So that's an even more decent. Three years ago, that's even more decent. Yeah. Because, I mean, the last three years, the squat's been crazy. But even just three years ago, you had a few guys over 600 
And that's it. Uh, so, okay. And were you IPF at the time? Yes, uh, I was IPF up until the end of 2000 and 2017. And that all happened really quickly. Like, within a month, um, we're looking at like the, uh, like the IPF proposals to kick Australia out. And um, everybody in PA is just thinking, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden, it did happen. Mm. And then, uh, yeah. Now, do you think Brett Gibbs and Russell Lurie paid for that to go through or what? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> when they see you squat, when they see what you're squatting, they're like, kick this guy out of the IPF. We don't need him yeah. around. But, yeah, uh, but then they say my bench and let me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bam, bam. Nicely played, sir. But, um... So your squat came to five seventy five, and what was the what was the programming looking like at that point? Uh, back then, I squatted in heels with the closest stance, um, so I could probably handle a little bit more volume back then. Yeah. Now a, a bit wider, flats. It's a bit tougher on the lower back, the adductors, the hips. Um, but I, I was squatting probably three times a week, um, all um, moderate, moderate to heavy. And then I uh, took it up to, to 290 like that. Then I changed it over to, to flats um, and a wider stance. So I was just through an experiment. I thought I'd give it a go. And I was just as strong. So keep it like that and progress for that a little bit. But uh, re- recently, like in the past year, I've really struggled to handle any volume of squats. Um, I don't know if it's the wide stance or the flats. It's probably the wide stance. But my adductors just can't handle any. That was why I was... I wouldn't say I was surprised that I scored the three or five, but I was almost lucky to get there. The, the two months before that, um, like I was going into sessions thinking, I really got to get this session done, but geez, I might injure myself. Like my adductors were just pulling so bad. Um, it was crazy. But uh, luckily, I got there with uh, not an ideal prep. There's quite a few sessions missed, quite a few, you know. And, and, and uh, were you still were down on the plan numbers? Were you still squatting three times a week at this point? Uh, inconsistently, yeah. Um, one week I might be doing one. One week I might be doing three. Oh wow! Um, I was attempting to squat three times a week. Um, most of it was just like doubles. Um, the volume was dropped way back because my body just wasn't handling it. Um, yet we couldn't do a full deload because that would really screw up the. Uh, competition so so I had to just play it by your each session and uh, hmm. pray and get injured and how often would you deadlift if you're squatting three times a week uh, deadlifts I've never had any issues um, I can deadlift basically as much as I want it doesn't really affect recovery um, doesn't affect the lower back anything um, my deadlifts just I guess I'm built more for the squat that's why the deadlifts on par with the squat Mm. Yeah, now um, I'm focusing on deadlifts more at the moment because I got a bit of a a glute injury and that was sort of what was happening before I competed. Uh, I was lucky the injury just held off a couple of weeks until a couple of weeks after competition. Uh, That was like five weeks ago now and uh, I'm still recovering from it. Uh, Yesterday I squatted and I was still about a centimetre above parallel. That's the deepest I've gotten five weeks. Mm. So... It's been struggling. And you got a little time. Your next competition is probably the World Championships? Yeah, so you got a little bit, like four and a half months. 
And what kind of like rep ranges do you like to play with? Do you hit singles often? Uh, probably about three months out from comp, I'll start singles. Um, but it's pretty like sub max singles. Uh, leading up to my last comp, the heaviest single I hit, I uh, actually hit a double with it, was 285. So it was only two and a half kilo above opener. But um, that was I was a double? hitting it, you know, five kilo. What's that? And that was a double? Yes. About uh, easy double, like RPE, seven and a half, eight. Oh, wow. So I, I knew the squat was there. Um, my training was just very, just pulled back. Hmm. So how? <laughs> so you don't get too close to like your max squat that you're going to hit on the platform because sometimes you see guys hitting PRs in the gym and oftentimes, <coughs> excuse me, they go on the platform and, I mean, it's kind of 50-50. You'll actually see people hit bigger numbers in the gym. Well, Russell Orhe so far has hit bigger numbers in the Sean gym. Noriega, Sean Noriega, Sean yep. often. And, yeah, like sometimes they also cut a lot more. These these fellas got some big cuts coming. Yep. And, uh, but so you're it's, – it's interesting because we had Eli Burks on here. His top squat in the gym was 100 pounds, like 40 kilos. I listened to that the other day, actually. Yeah, yeah. which is crazy to me. Like it's – you hear it all, right? Like, and I had LS McLean. I had him on here, and he was a two-time IPF world champion. He's like, I never touched a weight um, on the platform I hadn't already hit in the gym. And I was like, really? He's like, always. Like, it's it's interesting to me, you know, the difference. Whereas, yeah. like you said, you know, look, if I hit certain weights, I'm, you know, I'm not going to hold up. Yeah. If this is hard enough. I do it ninety-eight percent. Um, yeah, if I'm hitting ninety percent. For a single at RPA seven, you know, I know what's going to be there on the platform. Yeah, so you'll go as high as ninety percent and cut it there, right? Uh, my biggest double was uh two eighty five, so it was about ninety four. Um, but it was a double at RPA eight. Yeah, um, and it was a double, so it's still pretty big for a double ninety four percent. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's crazy to see, you know, it totally is up to the individual. You know, because you yeah. will have guys who, who go super heavy and then do a water cut and just try to hang on to as much as they can. Or it's a uh, it's crazy. So, and in terms of um, in terms of if you're doing doubles, would you be doing doubles all three sessions, or do you have a session like fives, a sessions of doubles, and does the rep range change if you're doing three times a week? Uh, leading up to last comp, um, because the issues I was having it was basically just doubles, and that was just um, in an effort to reduce the volume, but to keep the weight really high. But uh, like uh, in an ideal off season, yeah, I'd be doing some doubles, maybe some eights, high bar. Um, there's quite a bit of variation with it, quite a bit of uh, reps when I can handle it, uh, which hasn't been too great over the past year, as I said with the adductor, mm-hmm. but. Um, Looking at sorting that out now, it's mostly an issue with the hips and being so tight. Mm-hmm. So if I can fix that up, the adductor should fix itself up, I'm hoping. And what was your total um, when you hit that 305 squat? Uh, it was 772 that's kilogram. Right. And that's, I think like, it, that's podium finish yeah. at the Worlds, I believe, right? Isn't uh, that what Owen Hubbard got? I think he would have got... Um, or around there anyways, it's close. Or but it was only a couple of kilo behind second. It was, it was oh, right around the mark. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's right in there. Are you pushing? So what are some of your goals for the world championships? Uh, with the squat, it, it really hasn't been ideal these past two months. Um, since competing, I've made 
no progress on the squat and probably going back a little bit. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, honestly, I'd be happy to maintain three or five, maybe maybe three or seven with what's happened. Um, bench and deadlift is where I want to make the biggest progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I've obviously got a lot of room to grow at the bench. I've just got to keep uh, the pec healthy. With uh, I've had issues with that for the past three years, and uh, I've just never been able to get it right. So uh, I had my physio have a look at how the shoulders moving and all that, and we're working on getting it to move the exact same way as the right shoulder, um, and that seems to be working really well. Um, like, uh, I'm able to bench pain free at the moment, which I haven't been able to do that consistently for years, um, which is why my bench hasn't progressed how it should. I just haven't been able to get the volume in, haven't been able to gain momentum with it. So like, I know... If I can stay injury-free with the pec, which uh, I think I can leading up to Worlds, I should be able to put seven and a half, ten on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the deadlift as well, I've been focusing a bit more on the deadlift lately because I, I um, haven't been able to squat as much as I could. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully another seven and a half, ten on that. And that would put you right at, that, right at that 800. 800 kilo range. Is that kind of the target? You're hoping to get close to the 800 kilo total? That'd be nice. Somewhere in the seven nineties would be really good. Um, and the goal is just a podium finish. And do you think we're gonna see a seven hundred pound squat uh, this year in the IPF? Not in competition. You don't competition. think so? Not yet. Nah, not yet. Um, maybe the year after. Like, uh, so Russell's hitting big numbers in training, but uh, he's always hit big numbers in training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how it reflects over to competition. Yeah. Yeah, it's but tough. It'll be a, there's factors. It'll be a tight battle. Sorry, you go on. Yeah. It, it is. There's factors like like flying. We got He's got to fly to Europe. Water cut. Yada yada. So we'll have to see. Yeah, there there'll be a lot of competition with the just the even just the squat at this year's worlds. Um, I don't think Sean Noriega is going to be there. Um, he'll be as a junior, but um, like me, Russell, Brett, uh, what was the other guy? He missed three hundred two and a half on depth. Came out of nowhere. Um, Took a map from second to third. Was it an Algerian? Yes, I think so. I can't remember his name though. Yeah, I'd have yeah, to he, he came out of nowhere. He had really he low openers, answer. and it was up them heaps. And you know, he he was looking at maybe fifth or sixth spot at the start of the meet and then he upped his openers by like 20 kilo for each lift and, and almost almost came into the wowzers yeah some of these Algerians at the last world championships really moved around a lot of their numbers because no one's seen them coming like their exactly. nationals and whatnot. no one knows the results of their nationals I'm sure they're up somewhere but who's checking the results for the Algerian national championships we will be this year <laughs> we will be this year that's right this year, everybody is, but um, so no one's seen them coming, so they had all these fake openers, and it would change them. Okay, last chance to change your openers, and all the Algerians start shuffling around, and did some mm-hmm. major, even in the 93 kilo, um, I think they, they got rattled with an Algerian as well in the 93 kilo. There's a couple of Algerians that really came out of nowhere, and uh, yeah. shocked people. I think Paul's pulling it up. Is this the results yeah, it's right, here? It's right here. This guy. Uh, Fata Tubal? That's the one, yep. Um, he just missed three or two and a half on depth. Um, whether the strength was there at depth, 
not too sure, but uh, I'm sure he'll tighten that up and yeah, he'll be around the mark this year if he competes. He was on was he he got first s- world champ. I think so. I mean, I I've been commentating the last few years. I don't recognize him unless he was far lower in the rankings. He certainly wasn't a contender. I'll tell you that. Previously, I think I remember seeing on his like uh, the page where it says their PRs and everything. He may have been a 93 kilo lifter. Maybe that's the case then. And and, and yeah. in the 93s, he wasn't standing out. He hit a 775, and Owen Hubbard yeah. hit a 777. So he was he was right no. there. Oh, that's right. Mm. It was tight between second, third, fourth. Yeah. Very Even good. fifth, if um, Alexi Kuzman had to hit his numbers, which he struggled with lately, but um, he's got the strength to, to 790. And Alexi is an M1 lifter who's lifting in the open. And I, I'm not mistaken, Alexi won the first IPF Classic World Championships. They had the World Cup, and then they had the first World Championships in 2013, and Alexi won them in the 83 kilo class. Just a little bit of trivia for you. A little bit of history. A little bit of history for you. And I think Alexi is an M1 in his 40s. And, um, I mean, he's hanging in there. I don't know if he's going to make gains like you fellas are, though. Yeah, he's still up there. I think 2017, um, when uh, he came third just behind just behind Brett when those three totals at around 785 to 795. So he's capable of, you know. He's not going to progress insanely fast being an M1, but um, if he hits his numbers, you know, yeah. he could be on the podium as well. That's it. He, yeah. he's, he's that wily veteran that if he goes nine for nine, like you're saying, and just hangs tight, he can hit the podium. Um, it's the younger crowd that's kind of pushing into the 800s. And, um, I mean, we keep dreaming of just an all 800 total podium. Do you think that might be possible this year, or do you think that's a little too much? Uh... I mean, Russell and uh, and Brett can hit above eight hundred. They've proven that. Whether someone else can do it might be. That's the big question. Tough. Yeah, because there's you. That's them hitting their numbers as well. You never know what's going to happen. But in the next couple of years, you know, I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the way. So you don't think a seven hundred in 2019, eh? I'm I'm not sure. See, I think the Arnold Classic. I'm pretty sure is Orihiro lifting at the Arnold Classic. I believe he is. And we'll see what he brings and to I the table. And I believe that's going to be the one where he's kind of gunning to go all out. Because here's the thing with the Arnold Classic and why people like it. The divisions aren't stacked like the World Championships. To win or lose isn't as big a deal as the Worlds. When your ticket is already punched for the World Championships, he's guaranteed the World Championships. So he can go all out and whatever happens at the Arnold Classic happens. So that's where you say, load up 700 and let's, let's go. Yeah. Got nothing to lose. At the World yeah, Championships... Yeah. You're building a total, so you're not just gonna go all out. You guys exactly. will be like, you guys will be, yeah, fuck, go get him. Yeah, it was the same. Thing. If you it miss, was the same thing at Raw Nationals. Yeah, Raw Nationals. He, did he really had to to stay in the pocket and put himself in that position to beat Noriega, or else you're not going to the world. Yeah, yeah. So the mm-hmm. Arnold Classic will be a tell for all you guys to see what or he's got, because he's got no reason really to hold back. Yeah, that's why the Arnold Classic's so good to watch. Do you yeah, watch a lot of powerlifting? Do you do you watch these? Do you watch a lot of powerlifting as a fan? Yeah, I try to watch as much as I can. Like I watch the the Europeans. Um, oh yeah, that was really good. Luckily, the time matched up alright, and I got to watch that during the day. Um, yeah, I watched the Arnold this year. Um, I, I know last year um, 
Uh, what's the top competition at the Arnold Court? The, the Wilkes one? It's the uh, Grand Prix. Is that right? the Grand Prix? Yeah. 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 That wasn't even live streamed this year. Um, uh, last year, for whatever reason. I think they didn't have where it was. There was no like service or, or something like that. But um, yeah, I'll be watching most of the other guys. What do you? Who are you excited to see? You just mentioned the Europeans. Uh, two guys that I, I'm so happy are going into the Open is Pavlo and Luke Richardson. The two junior heavyweights. Thank God they're they're both over a thousand kilo total, and mm-hmm. um and Luke Richardson looks like he's never about to like grind out or fail a lift. Uh, the guy's an absolute beast. Are you excited? Who are you excited to see uh, when you're there as a fan watching? Um, we'll start with them too. I'm I'm excited about that. Hopefully they can they can push up and challenge uh, Ray. Um, it's just Luke Richardson. He weighs like 140. So long term, I just can't see him unless he wants to gain weight. Yeah, I can't see him getting like eleven hundred or anything. Uh, Pablo, on the other hand, he's he's heavy, he's tall, big frame. He's huge. Yeah, I can see him challenging Ray in a couple of years, and uh, Jezel will be back this year. Oh yeah, which I am excited about. I'm very excited yeah. to see Jezza back too. This is actually going to be one of the first heavyweight showdowns I'm actually excited to get yeah. to see. And that's what you need because you've even got a healthy, well, hopefully healthy Kelly Brandon in there as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is there any other weight classes that you, you particularly like? The 105s is pretty pretty. Tight. The 105 is really good to watch. Uh, it's a shame Bryce Lewis won't be there this year. Yeah. Uh, the, the 93s is probably the big one. Uh, it was such a big battle that uh, USAPL Nationals for the win. But um, interested to see how, how it stands up with uh, David Wilson at Worlds. With, uh, there's a guy in the Europeans that recently set the world Your, record. Antonelli from Ukraine? I'm probably yeah, butchering his name. Yeah, um, it's the IPF world cha- world yeah. record. Um, it's a shame Ashton. Um, I mean, sometimes US can send two lifters, but Ashton can't because he lifted in the US Open. Uh, yes. But he has the unofficial world record, and yeah, he um, has been smashing weights right now. Just He's progressing as well, killing weights. He's just murdering weights. Just an absolute beast of a man. Um, he said he's going to go to the Raw Nationals and all the way to the World Championships the following year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the 93 is going to be pretty big. The 105s, the reason why I'm really excited, um, Rondell Hart from the... Yes. Is, come, is it Ivory Coast or Virgin Islands? No, he's uh, Trinidad. Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. And um, he's moving up, and he actually out-totaled all the... Fel- the battle of the 105s that Bryce Lewis won, the, the most heavily hyped battle of 2018 at the World Championships was the 105s, and this kid in the juniors out-totaled all of them. It's crazy the- performance. There was a similar thing happened. I'm not sure if he out-totaled Alex or he came very close. He did. But the 93 kilo yep, junior as well. Yep. And uh, I'm sure if, if he you know, got around the table, he'd be silly not to move up. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, Gustafsson from Sweden, uh, yes. hometown kid or home country kid anyways. We actually had him on the podcast. Um, he's a beast as well. Uh, he won the Europeans and I believe he's moving into the Open next year because he wants to battle the 93s. Um, and he's like, he's super strong, super dedicated. Do you drink at all? What's that? Do you drink at all? Uh, rarely. Once, See, once every, a couple of months. Everybody's so. rarely, nobody I drinks, know. Paul. I, like everybody we have on here, we ask and almost all of them say, nah, man. It's, I think it's just me and you, dude. It's showing where my training goes to shit. <laughs> <laughs> showing where my I gotta rethink, are. I gotta rethink my life. But, uh... 
Is that just because of powerlifting or just in general you don't? Uh, yeah, just general. It, it doesn't interest me too much. Um, yeah, I've never been too big into drinking even before I, I started seriously lifting. Um, but yeah, it, it's as well. It, like, it affects performance so much. Um, like just the day after, two days after, three days after, I'm <laughs> still feeling it. And it's just, yeah. You're telling right. me, my friend. Yeah, you're telling me. And it, it does affect the nervous system. It's catabolic for the muscles. It's like, yeah, there's nothing good about it except for that night. But um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. So I always cut off like six weeks out from a competition, at least. Sometimes two months, I'll cut out the booze. It's so much easier to also lose like um, excess weight. Yeah. If you're trying to make weight, it's just empty calories, man. Well, that's There's why. nothing good about it in terms and of And that's one of the main reasons why I do it, aside from the performance things aside. It's just, yeah, it's so much easier for me to make weight if I'm not drinking. It's just extra calories. Yeah. And if you're counting calories, how much are you wasting for alcohol? Yeah, you, you, would even, yeah. you wouldn't have a clue. Plus, it's going to make your weight fluctuate a lot. So if you're tracking your weight closely, getting, you know, anywhere near close to comp, your weight's probably going to be, well, for me, it's way down the next day because I'm dehydrated. Yeah. And it's way up. And it's just all over the gym. Yeah. Do you track your macros or calories or anything like that? Uh, probably not as strict as I should. Um, I, I basically just make sure I get enough protein. Um, if I'm getting too heavy on the scales, I might need to track for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm not super lean, so I'm not struggling or anything mm-hmm. like that. Just as not enough protein to recover. Mm, sounds good my friend listen we had you on for an hour thank you very much for coming on here Nathan um, thank is you. there anybody that you would like to thank now that we had you on uh, you go? my coach uh, Mia Fazeli. Uh I've been with him for the past uh, yeah about three years now and I wouldn't be where I am without him uh, my physio Pei from uh, PB Physio she's helped me out a lot this year with my hips like it's only been three weeks and she's already helped me out with my left pec more than you know anyone has in the past three years mm-hmm. that's been huge uh, uh, and my partner and my family just for supporting me making it easier on the process sounds good my friend and um, is there one last question we always ask everybody before we let you go when all is said and done and you look back on your powerlifting career how do you want to be remembered hmm Probably as a world champion, I would say. <laughs> that a boy. Nicely that's, done. That's a good answer to me. That's a good answer to me too, my friend. Listen, Nathan, thank you for your time. Much appreciated. You. Uh, we're going to keep in touch, my friend, and good luck with training. All right. Thank you. Catch you later. See you, later. See ya. That's what you'd expect some a young man to say. Um, I mean, he's, he's right in hitting reach. All it takes is he's got a good night. Yep. You know, I mean, we've already seen that yeah, well, like in all sports, period. But um, in powerlifting as well. We've seen, you know, like the 83-kilo goat, Brett Gibbs can go from an 830 total to back into the 700s. Yeah, it just takes getting sick. It takes an injury. It takes... Miss, miss a squat you wanted. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you hit a squat you wanted, and there you are. If he's batting anywhere close to seven or 800, sorry... We've seen Russell fall short, and we've seen Brett fall short. We've seen yep. Russell absolutely murder it, and we've seen Brett absolutely murder it. You just got to, he's one of those guys, like Alexi we were talking about earlier, you just got to hang in the pack close enough. Hit your lifts, stay in the pocket, 
And don't get, you could get greedy trying to chase the nice round 800. If you just say, you know what, fuck it, 790 is what I got today. I stay in the pocket and it's 790, yeah. who knows what happens. But if I get greedy and go for 800, well, now I miss that squad, I miss that day. Oh, yeah, if you start chasing to... a total because you think that's what's required to win, or because it's, it's, it's round it's and sexy. No, no other reason than it's the round number. And that's what we all do. Yeah, you can when throw, you're that close. You can easily throw away yeah. you know, the bigger picture and the bigger victory. Stay, stay in the pocket and within means on that day. And 790... Fuck it, man. 795 won the Worlds in 2017. Yep. 795. So don't go for 800 and start pacing for it. When you look back and the God damn it. If I could have just pulled back five kilo, I could be a world champion. Like, it doesn't... It's not worth it. So I like his attitude. And he's one of those guys, man. You got to take him seriously. Uh, I mean, he's coming in the squat world record holder. It's going to be... It's going to be tough to keep it. Uh, I... Do you think we'll see 700 pound squat in 2019? I think if we do, it's going to happen at the Arnolds. Because it would be nerve-wracking for the U.S. coaches to throw 700 yeah. on there if they don't think they I do. think at, when it comes around to the world time of the Worlds, I think unless, you know, Russell keeps progressing... What if Russell at, hits it at Arnold? Well, if he hits it at Arnold's, I think that opens up that door to hit it again at another meet. Because he might need it to beat Brett. Yeah. He can't go toe-to-toe. He can't go toe-to-toe on deads and squats because he's going to get outbetched. Yeah. He's got to make ground somewhere. Yeah, more than likely squats if he can get a seven hundred. So he might, like, he might say, "Fuck it." If I miss this, I might be off podium. But if I hit this, I'm a world champion. It, I, it's dicey because squats. Is I first. think based on what we've seen from Russell so far in competition, what we saw from him at Ron Nats, he will listen to the coaches and he will do what he has to do to build that total yeah. on the day of. Yeah. To put himself, as he said, stay in the pocket, put himself in the best situation to actually get. Yeah. Get the win. But as I said, at the Grand Prix, at the Arnolds, it's nothing, it's nothing but ego lifting, basically, for yeah. him. It's a competition Who that means nothing, where he can just blow it out yeah. and see what happens. Because that really will, it will help the American coaching staff but I can where we at. I can definitely say, if he hits it at Arnold's, I think you'll see him probably... You'd be crazy enough. You, you, you would, you'd walk in there telling him, I think we need you to hit seven again. Yeah. We know you can. Yeah, because we know you, as you, you said, wait and still hit it. I think I think if you're gonna win, you're gonna have to. And if you do, it's there. Yeah, no. It doesn't mean it's one for sure, but you're right. Well, as you said, there. there's not enough difference on squat for them between the two of them. Yeah. Bench Brent win. Brent wins heads down still. Yeah. Deads. Deads again. Close. It's very close. We've seen Russell smoke some deads lately. Yeah. But we haven't seen Brent test himself fully on deads in a long time. I feel yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And Brent, he's a hell of a better himself. You know, Brent's pulled into pulled Seven around seven twenty. Yeah. Like yeah. he's. So it's not locked, maybe not locked it out, but he's been right there as well. Like it's yeah, not that's that's why I believe if Russell's got in the tank, he kind of can't hold back. Yeah. He's gonna have to make a decision early in that meet. I'm either number one or I fall behind, and some guys might pass me that ordinarily wouldn't if I didn't go for this squat and go balls out. But if Brett's there, he has to. He might be telling himself, look at fellas, if Brett wasn't here, I wouldn't go for this squat and I'd still beat you. But Brett is here, and I have to because I know what he's about to bet. But honestly, I see it more likely that if it comes down to that scenario, Russell's going to hit his squat, hit his bench, and then he's going to go for broke on deads with the way his dead's moving right now. I think he's going to go for broke on squat, though. You th- so hit his squat means what, though? I think he hits, you know, near 700. Maybe he won't go quite 700, but he's in that area. He's in that ballpark. You go near 700 doesn't necessarily mean you're going to hit it. That's where it gets dicey yeah. to hit it. See, that's what I'm saying. If you're a squat 
if you're a squat front-loaded guy, it's easier to be back-loaded because you just load a bar or whatever you need. But, but like, so you stay in the pocket for squats and bench. He can't stay in the pocket. He has to push. If he doesn't push, there's no such thing as staying in the pocket if, you, if you're building it off squat. He's going to have to beat Brett on squat. He can't tie him. Or if, if they tie in squat like they did this year, he can't win almost. He really can't. I can't think of it because he's going to lose on bench and they're going to go eat basically even on dead. dead you know what I'm dead, saying? I know what you're saying. And so that, that's to me, why like, dead like, is still the wild card because it, yeah, you know, with right. the way that Russell's right. dead's moving right. right now. It's not for sure even on dead. But if I'm game planning, I'm thinking, if I'm seeing this the way I think I'm seeing this, I'm thinking Russell's got to go heavy on squat and say, fuck it, my day is make or break here now. I can't go, no, I can't oh, go. Oh, I still, I 100% agree that he has to I, go heavy on squat. And not only I that, just think that. I can't, I can't leave squat event tied with you, Brett, because you win. Yeah. I might as well shake your hand and, or, or hope for a miracle because you're going to fucking hit a huge 500 bench and you're going to dead in the sevens and we got problems. Yeah. I, 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 know, see, I, I see where you're going you with this. You know what I'm saying? I, I know you're saying too, like, if it's the difference of like a seven and a half kilo or whatever, like if he does, because I can't think of the math off the top of my head, like, yeah. he goes 685 or something like that instead of seven because he thinks he has a better chance of getting that and still you, building the total. Whatever but he's still you think ahead you can of, get. But he's still ahead of Brett. Yeah. Whatever you think you could get, you should put on. If nothing else, the other guy can still miss in bench and he can still miss in dead. We've exactly. Seen We've seen that happen. So I'm not saying overextend to a Hail Mary just hope for a miracle. And we're also talking like we know Russell's bench is going to end up by that point. And who the hell knows there, too? That's why the Arnold it's rocking all eyes on the Arnold Classic. But the Arnold Classic, Russell's coming in hot right now. Ooh. He's having a good training it's cycle. It's a fucking meteor, my friend. He's not injured. He's healthy. Yeah. I think this is going to be the telling performance for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll do a preview show, obviously, for Arnold's. And we'll do a recap show. And I think the recap show is almost going to be our first previews for the Worlds, because it is. Uh, we'll have more, obviously, because not everyone in the, going to the Worlds will be at the Arnold. But at least we'll see a lot of the Americans. Not all of them. We'll see a good chunk of the Americans, and we'll get a bit of a we'll better We'll get a pretty time. good idea as to yeah. what's going on. For some of them. For some of them, anyways. But anyways, hope you liked it. Um, from Six Pack Lapidat. And Paul Moranzen, underscore lifts. And a big shout-out to Fusion Muscle for supplying us with Purple K. We're going to start blogging our path to the Canadian Nationals. This is me, Six Pack Lab at Paul Marizan Lifts, and Randy Cook, the hosts, as well as one of our friends, Kafwi, who um, just smashed the national record in the 83 kilo, the biggest 83 kilo lift we've ever had in Canada. Kids just shy of a 700 deadlift himself. Coming in, I believe, what was that deadlift? 315? I believe it was three five. I believe it's three fifteen. Somewhere around that range. Anyways, he's kid is a be upset beast. That we don't know that, but he's he's. Uh, I think it's three fifteen point five. But um, we'll be blogging on the kingofthelifts.com website. Make sure you see it. Posting some videos. Thank you for tuning in as always from Six Pack Lab. But we're out.